This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. It's great to have you with us for the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Talk about a grocery store chain. Talking about delivering groceries via drone. If you need something, you just order it, and it's there in minutes. Right now, the slow return to normal continues with word the always popular Chicago Auto Show will happen. It'll be this summer. Dave Sloan joins us. He's general manager of the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, Dave, after a year of no auto show, this has to be a big relief to you. Well, you know, we were one of the lucky ones. We got our show in in February 2020, just before the pandemic hit. So while ours is uh, uh, delayed just a few months, uh, we didn't miss one. So we're pretty we're pretty pleased about that. Yeah. And you were sort of wondering, I'm guessing, like all the rest of us, you know, when will it be safe to do this? And then the city and the state gave you good news. Right. We've been working for months with McCormick Place and the city and state health officials to try to figure out when we could open and how we could open safely. And McCormick Place figured out early on that the auto show, because of some unique characteristics of it, was going to be a pathway to get McCormick Place back open. And we're really pleased about that because McCormick Place is so important to the to the economy in Chicago and Illinois. So talk about what will be different about this auto show this summer. So we knew that we needed to design this show to be a little bit different. Um, and so we moved to the West Building from the north and south. And so we're in about about 500,000 square feet rather than a million square feet. So it's smaller inside. But we wanted to be close to Indiana Avenue because we saw the opportunity in July to do a lot more outdoor test drives. And the automakers love to do those. And so we have the ability to do that. And then a couple, uh, Ford is actually taking a couple lots right off Indiana Avenue, and they're going to have uh, outdoor activations for the uh, Bronco and the Bronco Sport and the Mustang Mach-E EV. So it's really going to be cool. So it's going to be an opportunity for people, yeah, a lot of auto lovers and a lot of people also looking because they are shopping. Same opportunity, maybe compressed a little bit, so people are going to have to get tickets online and, and understand that there's only so many people in there at a time. That's true. That's true. Tickets are going to be sold only online. There's going to be no in-person box office um, because we need to know who's on the show floor, and, and we're going to carefully taper them in coming into the show and uh, – and then maintain a, a, a safe number throughout the day. And uh, even, even when, you know, uh, we'll have your information, so we'll email you day of, 
and do a short medical questionnaire. All those kinds of things were required to get us to be able to, sh- uh, to open the show. When it comes to the actual uh, exhibits, you touched on this a little bit, but just talk about, I mean, differences. I'm thinking, you know, you used to have everyone in and out of cars. I mean, is that going to be the same, different? What's that going to be like? Yeah, we think that'll be the same. I mean, cars will be unlocked. You'll be able to get in. But, you know, maybe people are just going to have to be careful where they, they don't hop in a car with that might have somebody you don't know. Uh, you know, you just kind of go in one at a time. And we'll have people throughout, the product specialists and so on, We'll be making sure that people do things in a safe way. You're going to need to wear a mask. And, uh, and we, we want to try to limit things that, that um, uh, create congregations of people. So um, we'll have shorter product demonstrations, those types of things. But you'll still be able to do Camp Jeep and uh, the Ram Truck indoor test track. And so what, when customers buy tickets online, they'll be able to click through and... Um, register in their timed entrance window when to register for a ride or a, an activation in a uh, specific display. Yeah, really exciting, I know, for so many people to get that show back open here, wondering if we were going to get one this year. Dave Sloan, General Manager of the Chicago Auto Show, rescheduled to July 15th through the 19th at McCormick Place. The U.S. trade deficit went to a record high in March. The U.S. is continuing its recovery from the pandemic. We welcome Bob Brusca, Chief Economist at Fact and Opinion Economics. Uh, Bob, help us to understand this trade deficit. Is this in any way due to the pandemic or or is this just a natural progression of this deficit jumping? Oh, no. If you look at this, if you were to uh, take a graph and plot the deficit, uh, what you would notice is that uh, when Trump put his tariffs in place, the deficit began to contract. And then uh, and it was on this contracting profile. And then what happened is the, uh, the virus hit. And when the virus hit, all of a sudden the deficit ballooned and um, – then we had this uh, this economic recovery that was very strong. And with that, imports became very strong. Well, what happened is that, you know, with the services sector impaired and for a while almost completely shut down and the government forking out money to people, people wound up spending a lot of money on goods and very little money on services. And since services are generally supplied at the point of service, they tend to be more domestic but goods tend to be more intensely imported. So imported goods really surged, uh, you know, during this past uh, year when the government was doling out all of this money and the services sector has been, for the most part, shut. And that has really been the thing that caused the trade deficit to balloon very sharply. Let's also talk about uh, factory orders. Several things I want to get to here today. Factory orders rebound. So I guess that's a good thing for our manufacturers. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, there there is some recovery in, in factory orders. We have the report today that basically uh, focused on non-durable goods. That was the new thing in this report, plus a small revision in durable goods orders. And yeah, we do see recovery in progress, and uh, factory sector is doing very well. Again, it's the same kind of story. You know, the goods sector, relatively less affected by the virus. Services sector, very affected by the virus. Less face-to-face business in uh, services. The good sector able to uh, recover, and you know, globally, the good sector, the manufacturing sector, doing much better. 
And uh, hoping, of course, that that is going to continue. Uh, as an economist, what do you make of you know, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, saying interest rates may need to go up in order to stem inflation, and yet a lot of the inflation is because of the stimulus, where we're trying to get that economy moving again. Uh, what do you make of that back and forth? It seems like money policy is just really difficult to get right as we try to come out of the pandemic. Well, let's remember, you know, at one point, Janet Yellen was the head of the Fed, and she was an objective onlooker at that point. Now she's part of the administration. So you have to remember that. She's taken off her Fed chair hat. She's putting on her Democrat hat. And so you've got to be careful because you're getting, you know, to some extent, a partisan view when Janet talks. Um, the administration, she said the other day she didn't think inflation was going to be an issue. Uh, we've got the Fed saying the same thing with Chairman Powell. Although we did have uh, Rob Kaplan at the Dallas Fed warning that he thinks it's time to have that discussion about beginning tapering. He sees excesses in financial markets. And there was a statement by Raghur Rajan uh, the other day who was interviewed and said that, um, you know, he sees the Fed somewhat like a dog chasing a car. In other words, What's it going to do when it catches it? Like the Fed has decided that it wants to not change interest rates until we're at full employment, until we've got inflation at 2%. Well, if they wait until that happens, what are they going to do when they get there? They're going to be way, way behind the curve. He thinks events have overtaken the Fed. I think we're getting into more dangerous territories. Good insight. Thanks so much. Always appreciate your analysis. That is Bob Bruska, Chief Economist at Fact and Opinion Economics. Just ahead, what is driving Mother's Day retail this year? And later in the show, 1249, a grocery store chain says it wants to start delivering groceries on demand via drone. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. This could prove to be a record-setting year for Mother's Day Retail. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Jennifer Waters, senior reporter at CoStar Group here in Chicago. Uh, Jennifer, what are the experts telling us? How big could it be? Hey, Cisco. It is, according to the National Retail Federation, we are talking about uh, a 5.4% jump in um spending, uh, excuse me a second, 5.4% jump in spending, which is a big jump by any circumstance whatsoever. We're looking at $28 billion that people are going to be spending on Mother's Day. And quite honestly, I hope I'm a, a big benefactor of that. Well, yeah, I'll bet you do. I'm sure my <laughs> wife does too, and all of the moms in our lives. Uh, any idea what people are going to be buying? I mean, is it all just flowers or what? You know, any idea yet what the experts are saying? No, I'll tell you, one of the things is that, I mean, you've got to remember, people have a lot of money right now. I mean, you know, relatively speaking, of course. But, you know, they have stimulus checks. They have money that they didn't spend um, last year going out to eat, going out to movies, going to games, whatever. So now they're, you know, so now they're going to really do it. This, this you know, as I said, the, five, the 5% over last year, it's 12.4% over 2019, which is generally what we're, you know, what we're really comparing when we're comparing apples and apples kind of thing. And that's huge, huge. And here's what they say they're going to spend. Jewelry and electronics in particular, obviously some experiences going, you know, whether it's, you know, a spa day or a manicure or petty or taking them out to dinner or, or, or giving them a dinner. Brunch will be a big thing on Mother's Day, too. And here's my favorite part. Younger consumers between ages of 24 and 32. 25 and 34, are likely to buy their mother's high-dollar gifts like jewelry. 
almost spending almost four hundred dollars a month. I hope I'm one of those. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> I mean, you, the uh, the experiences that you mentioned. It seems like more and more we've moved into an experience economy where not just moms, but just about everyone, they're they're not as excited about the material things. They really just want to spend time and do fun things. Yes, you're absolutely right about that, Cisco. And I think we're going to see, as we look at retail sales kind of shake out the rest of the year, we're going to see, for example, grocery sales might fall some compared to how restaurant sales might go up. Or we'll see, like, fitness club sales could, you know, increase again as people get vaccinated and they're less afraid of being in crowds and less afraid of, you know, you know, or probably even knowing better how to how to keep themselves from, you know, getting germs and such. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. You know, one, one of the things we've already seen, and obviously what, what we're talking about with Mother's Day right now, is kind of high-priced items selling pretty well, luxury items like jewelry or other, you know, kind of luxury clothes, luxury um, accessories like purses and such and shoes. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that going on right now, too. So, you know, happy Mother's Day to everyone. Yeah, lots of spending. The economy certainly needs it. Thank you so much, Jennifer Waters, senior reporter at CoStar Group. Still ahead, Travel Tuesday. More and more Americans are comfortable returning to the friendly skies. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Chicago Auto Show will return to McCormick Place this summer. Some people are feeling anxious as they return to work or have other social interactions. In Travel Tuesday, the U.S. continues to set record airline passenger counts for the pandemic era. And national grocery store chain Kroger begins testing home delivery with drones. Wall Street markets struggling. The Dow down 88. NASDAQ is down 340 and the S&P is down 45. Oil is up one and a half percent. Again, clouds and drizzle in Chicagoland, 54 degrees, heading to a high of 60 degrees. The Chicago Auto Show will return for a five-day run in July as the state of Illinois moves toward a full reopening. Governor Pritzker says an end to the pandemic is in sight. The life-saving power of vaccinations and the hard work by the people of our state has led us here. In recent weeks, we have seen our statewide COVID case rates and hospitalizations flatten and begin to fall, demonstrating a surge far short of the one that we saw over the fall and the winter. Mayor Lightfoot says she would like to see Chicago fully open by the 4th of July. As more states start to reopen, millions of Americans are suffering from what some Americans and doctors are calling re-entry anxiety. One poll finds nearly half of respondents feel uneasy about returning to in-person interactions. Dr. John Guaradini, a Philadelphia integrated psychologist, has this advice. Take it slow. Everything in increments is the best way to go. You know, there's a phrase that we use in the field called systematic desensitization. And initially, this means taking baby steps. The doctor adds many of us are simply out of practice when it comes to socializing. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. News that makes you money. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are in the red. The Dow down 91. NASDAQ down 338. And the S&P down 45 points. Let's see what's going on here. Bill Stone is joining us. Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company, based in Louisville. Bill, good to have you on the show. Uh, What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Yeah, you know, it, it, it looks like a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I guess you say that sometimes is a combination of profit taking. So some of the, you know, really go-go technology names and some things in the consumer discretionary retailing space, those are kind of the worst performing. And then you've got the other side, which is the more cyclical side of things. Again, the companies probably benefit more from economic growth you know, frankly, showing positive. So the banks are actually doing quite well, energy stocks, um, basic material stocks, perhaps a little, you know, whiff of uh, positioning for maybe some inflation coming. You got, well, you know, I'll, I'll actually ask you about the inflation because Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, says we may need higher interest rates in order to stem the coming inflation. Uh, what does the market think of that generally? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always good news and bad news, right? I mean, the good news is that if the hikes are coming from, frankly, better economic activity, uh, that uh, and, and along with it, some inflation, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, right now we're in the midst of it. To, it's it's a hard to, to decipher time because we've got some supply issues in some materials that have caused prices to go up quite a bit. Um, and so... I think at least some of that will come off because, you know, we'll we'll straighten out our supply chains, get some some materials through. But the question is how much it holds on. But one way or another, in the long run, it's not necessarily a bad thing if rates go up based on, again, strong economic data. And that certainly looks like what we're going to get again in the second quarter here. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like a 10% uh, GDP growth rate annualized in the second quarter. Let's talk about tech. That's getting particularly hit today. The Nasdaq down about two and a half percent. Is that just profit taking, or some of these tech valuations maybe needing to come back a little bit? Yeah, I think it's both. You're right. I mean, it, the valuations are certainly high. Um, some of it, again, yes, profit taking. I think the last part is there's some looking ahead to saying, is this as good as it gets? Right? Because some of these businesses really, you know, we have to say, frankly, benefited from the COVID lockdown um, and. They've continued to post good numbers, but the question is, does that kind of start coming off again? Have people bought all the you know laptops they need to kind of work from home or work you know in a hybrid environment, and then that demand will fall off a bit? Uh, again, not necessarily a whole lot of signs of that yet, but I think that's some part of what people are looking forward. Let's talk about some of those reopening stocks. I mean, I'm thinking the cruise lines, uh, the airlines are reporting a lot of people are wanting to get back into the skies, hotels, uh, those, uh, a lot of people have been wondering, hey, if they can hold out, if they can stay in business, those are probably going to be a good investment in the long run. Yeah, I think the hard part is some of those have really run, you know, the st- it's not been something that people have necessarily not already been thinking about. Um, and the hard part is some of them are loaded with lots of debt, uh, in the interim, to to your point, to survive, right? I mean, they had to survive to the other side. I do think 
the, the other side of it is I do think there's going to be massive demand once people, and I think you're already starting to see people become very comfortable with at least thinking about traveling, you know, if not this year, then next year. So uh, I can't imagine you won't see, and, and I think the airlines, some of the airlines have already talked about it. They have started to see better bookings. They're still not seeing a lot from the business traveler, um, but that will come too in my view. Thanks so much for all of the insight. That is Bill Stone, Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company in Louisville. Buy, sell, listen. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour. Airports are as busy as they have been in a year. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services, Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul. Joe, what are you hearing about what's going on at the airports? You know, it's really notable with the TSA where we're getting live updates on just the uh, travel volumes. And Sunday really was kind of a breakthrough day in some ways that we, you know, top pre-pandemic levels uh, or were, were, excuse me, the highest levels since the pandemic uh, with some room to spare. And, uh, and you know, we're seeing uh, just the steady build. And what's not getting a lot of attention, which is also noteworthy, is this week carriers have started to add lots of flights this summer. So there's a bullishness in the air. And going forward now, I guess it's just people who go, hey, in general, we've not had many COVID breakouts, you know, super spreader events because of the airlines. So in general, air travel has been safe throughout this time. People just needed to feel comfortable. You know, it has been uh, pretty smooth. Of course, the vaccine process is rolling really well, and it's uh, uh, given people confidence. Uh, older travelers, we're seeing some of the reports that retirees are back in the air, and they're often, you know, the last to come back after a, after a health scare. And uh, what's also interesting about this is uh, this week Delta announced they're no longer going to block that uh, middle seat. Uh, that pro- uh, policy ended, so there's going to be more seats in the air as well, uh, which may bring uh, help keep fares uh, in line. So I'm thinking uh, May is going to be a really good month for the airlines. Are we seeing anything different at the airports? I mean, we used to have you know a bunch of people, you know, a hundred people all kind of gathered all in together around a gate. How are they handling that? You know, I have noticed that uh, it's getting harder and harder to enforce that distancing as the airports get more crowded. And uh, I've just seen reports about how, you know, it's uh, it's uh, uh, pretty hefty crowds uh, waiting because people are arriving early at the gate, as always. And it's uh, it's a pretty tight configuration. That said, there's almost 100 percent compliance with mask wearing. The airlines have a sense of orderliness to how they how they board the plane. So we haven't had any real uh, uh, reports of spreader events on the airlines. Uh, I will say this news uh, about Europe opening up this week has also given a boost to travel agencies. We're going to see some travel across the Atlantic this summer as well. And these numbers must also represent just the pent-up demand. People love traveling. They've been wanting to do it for a while. And, and now that they're comfortable, they're actually going to do it. You know, it is uh, uh, several events coming together. I mean, we have... Uh, uh, economy is recovering faster than we thought. Of course, the stimulus checks are out there. Uh, the fares have been pretty good. A lot of people booking now or traveling now booked a month or so ago when the fares were really low. So there was a, uh, a real pent-up demand that's now uh, being catered. Some of the fares going to be a little bit higher, uh, but the way airlines are adding seats, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good market for all involved. Business travel, uh, you mentioned you know, it's not quite what it was. How important is that for the airline's bottom line? Well, we're seeing more and more reports that uh, United American and Delta are really nervous about this, and uh, business travel isn't isn't back uh, anywhere near uh, even 50% of where it was pre-pandemic. Southwest seems less affected by this. 
this week's announcement that New York is opening up is giving cheer to uh, business travel advocates feeling we're going to see a gradual build. Uh, but the jury's still out. If business travelers are going to demand discounts to, uh, before they take back to the skies, and uh, it's going to require a rethinking of the whole airline network if uh, you know if we see uh, uh, suppressed business travel for the long term. Thanks so much, Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services, Director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul. That's Travel Tuesday. This time tomorrow, Personal Finance Wednesday. Still to come today, a national grocery chain begins a trial of delivering groceries by drone. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Kroger, the parent company of Mariano's, is testing home delivery with drones. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, is joining us. Uh, Paul, what are we talking about here? You know, all of your groceries being delivered by drone, or is this just, hey, I ran out of barbecue sauce and I need some right now. Let me get it in a few minutes by drone. That's exactly right. In other words, it's the ultimate, the, the latter is the answer to your question. It's the ultimate impulse buy idea. Um, obviously, they're only rolling it out in near Centerville, Ohio, where they're based, their marketplace store. Uh, but the idea is exactly what you described. I'm at the beach. I've got everybody, my, my parties, now that we're, you know, post-COVID, maybe at least we're outside, we're having a barbecue, everybody's happy and together. And I realized that, the you know, the coup de grace for my perfect uh, chicken, barbecue chicken, is barbecue sauce. So now the, the concept anyway is I use my Kroger app to call in air support. Basically, um, I get a drone, which can carry something up to five pounds to literally where I am, because it follows the signal of my phone. That's how it works. It's not, a, not an address anymore. It drops the, the, the uh, barbecue sauce right at the beach, right where I'm standing. And, and theoretically, within minutes, um, I have my problem solved. And, I mean, there's a premium, obviously, of price, I would imagine, and yet for people, I mean, it's, it's like the ultimate convenience store. Uh, Kroger, uh, how does it work? I mean, are they going to literally at times have thousands of these things flying through the air? Well, that's a great question. I mean, one of the things that, that everybody who's con- contemplating a scenario like this or a strategy like this, like Kroger, you're talking about one of the biggest costs is not going to be buying the drones. And it's not necessarily even in, in boosted costs for the customer for the convenience, although that could possibly be factored in. Part of this is going to be lobbying costs. I mean, there's going to be some some uh, backroom negotiation necessary to allow fleets of drones flying through the air uh, to places where people are, for example, sunbathing. So, you know, it may be one of those things where they're going to have a lot of negotiating to do. But back to your earlier question for a second about cost, remember that, you know, Amazon's model the same way. If you can get the thing conveniently, it doesn't mean you're going to have to pay more. Uh, Kroger, is, I, I, I imagine, at least from what I've heard, is imagining really dominating the landscape literally um, by being the brand that everybody thinks of when they think of convenience and food, not necessarily profit margins for this particular service. So it's more about I want it now and it's going to get delivered right to me. And when it comes to, uh, you know, actually the, the logistics of this, you mentioned the lobbying. Uh, you're going to need to get government on board here. Uh, I'm just thinking technologically, these drones have to have some kind of capacity to not run into each other if you're getting more and more of them in the skies. Well, that's exactly right. In fact, they're, they're being fairly careful. This is all being scheduled, but it's also the, the drones themselves are going to be guided by pilots at this point. Uh, in other words, that, that there are people who are professionals at flying these things. And, of course, there are regulations in, in place now about drone 
flight. You can't get within, you know, X number of uh, yards or miles, I guess, of an airport and so forth. So there is existing regulation. But the point is, these are going to be guided at, at first this, in this pilot project, no pun intended. Um, this project is going to be guided with pilots guiding the drones. They will not be t- completely autonomous. But soon, that's going to be a great question. Can you control a system with 100,000 data points, namely 100,000 uh, drones out there delivering applesauce? Yeah, going to be a challenge, but it's where the technology's headed. It is cool. Thank you so much, Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. If you missed any part of today's show, you can just go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.